0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.
1: Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Dulce Sloan is a talented and hilarious comedian currently based in New York City, where she's a full-time on-air correspondent on The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Originally from Miami, Florida, Sloan started doing stand-up in 2009 and has been hailed by the likes of Variety and Rolling Stone as one of America's most significant young comedic voices. She is performing at the 2019 Just for Laughs Northwest Festival in Vancouver on Saturday, February 23rd. And Dulce and I recently connected for a talk about white folks, white folkin', her love of theater and how she got into stand-up, living life in cities like Miami, Atlanta, Los Angeles, and New York, deleting mean social media posts by strangers, the Super Bowl, and her friend Sashir Zameda's perspective on racism in America under its current president what she makes of Canadian cities like Winnipeg, Montreal, Toronto, and Vancouver, her new Comedy Central special, and much, much more. With the support of listeners like you who subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly pledges at patreon.com slash creative control, plus in-kind support from CFRU 93.3 FM, Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, this is the 460th episode of Creative Control featuring the hilarious Dulce Sloan with your host, me, Vish Khanna.
1: But I love man. Hi, Australia. I haven't fucked in your men yet. I'm real pissed about it. I've been in this country for a week. Let me see these dicks. <laughs> Hi
2: Dulce, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. It's nice to chat with you. First of all, where in the world are you today?
1: I am back in New York.
2: Back in New York. Were you in New Orleans?
1: I was. I was in New Orleans recording my half hour over the weekend.
2: Amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. Did it go as well as you'd hoped?
1: Oh, yeah. It went great.
2: Nice. That's great. I I mean, this is your... So is this your first proper special that you just
1: recorded? Uh, Yes, it's my first special.
2: And it's for Comedy Central, I believe? Yes. Okay, cool. And I don't, you know, I I mean, at this point, do you know when it might come out?
1: Absolutely no clue. <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: the way it is with content sometimes, isn't it? You make it and then they tell you when it's coming up.
1: So it's not my job to know until they tell me. <laughs> and then I tell everybody when I'm supposed to.
2: Is that a weird thing as a comedian if you're dealing with sort of uh, topical uh, you know, a humor and, and then it could be six months, eight months later the thing comes out?
1: That's, when you, that's why you don't do topical humor on a special for the most part.
2: Ah, that's true. So there's nothing topical per se.
1: It's If it's going to be topical, you do something that could be a little like, if you're talking about the president, he's going to be the president for a while. But if you're talking about something that just happened, it's not going to work.
2: Do you think your president's going to be the president for a while? Uh, That doesn't seem to be true, although it has been a while now. But don't you think he, any day now, he might be, uh, something serious might be happening? No. You don't think so, eh?
1: No, they're going to let that evil man be president as long as they want him to be president.
2: I see. By they, who do you mean... Exactly. Oh, white folks, um, <laughs>
1: specifically the white men that won this country. So, no, he's gonna be president as long as they need him to be awful, and then they'll get rid of him or whatever they got to do.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: But no, nah, he ain't going nowhere for a while.
2: Okay. All right. Well, are you are you in New York because of your job at the Daily Show? Is that is that why you moved there per se?
1: Yeah, that's the
2: reason I moved here was for the show. And where were you before that?
1: I was in Los Angeles before that.
2: And how is and, but that's not where you're from. Are you from Miami? Is that right?
1: I was born in Miami and I grew up in Atlanta. So I lived in Miami some, but I lived mostly in Atlanta.
2: Oh, okay, cool. And and how was that, so to speak? How would you characterize your your upbringing per se?
1: My upbringing was good. It was just me, my mom, and my brother for the most part. Like we lived with my grandma for a little bit. We went back to Miami, but it was mostly just the three of us.
2: Okay, okay, and so it was cool though.
1: Yeah, I mean, what? I don't understand this question. Like,
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, some truly people. don't
1: understand this question. It's oh. like, All right, well, did you, you have a horrible childhood? No, my childhood was fine. <laughs> that's that's truly <laughs> don't understand this question.
2: <laughs> well, I ask, uh, I often ask artistic people about uh, their upbringing uh, and maybe what motivated them to get into it. You know, sometimes something in your I don't mean horrible, I didn't mean it that way. Some, in fact, with younger people uh, that I have on the show. Often they say it was great, it was amazing. My parents were very supportive of my interest in, you know, uh, comedy, music, what it, whatever it is. That's all I was kind of getting at. Sorry, I, I was oh, a bit, yeah. bit okay. vague. Why would
1: you wanted to know and ask me that question? Well, um, I, I was
2: getting to it. I was getting to it.
1: No, my mother was very supportive. I told my mother when I was six years old that I wanted to be an actor, and she said, Okay, what are you going to do to achieve that? So um, I took theater. All through, I took theater and chorus all through, you know, middle school. I think elementary school, middle school, high school. I got a theater degree, and then um, just started auditioning and doing whatever independent stuff or plays that I could do in Atlanta. And then I started doing stand up because another comic told me I was a comic and put me in stand up class. I see. So that's how I got into stand up, and that was ten years ago.
2: Yeah, it's it, you're you've been doing this ten years. Do you have a sense of what motivated you to get into theater? Mm. No idea.
1: No, I mean, I was six, so... You were I don't... six
2: years old. Wow.
1: Yeah, I was six when I told my mom I wanted to be an actor. And she was like, all right, well, what are we going to do to achieve this?
2: I see. Six. Wow, that's amazing. So, is it just watching TV? Did you see someone? Was there a, an actor or actress? You are like, ah, that's, that seems fun. I could probably do that.
1: Don't even remember. It was either that or be a marine biologist and work with dolphins. And then I found out how much school you had to do to hang out with dolphins all day. So I was like, fuck that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you're not, you're not, uh, well, you, you did pursue school for theater though. You're not anti-school or education per se.
1: No, I'm just anti- I'm anti doing a bunch of math to hang out with dolphins. It doesn't make any sense.
2: <laughs> it's true. You don't. Uh, I don't imagine you. They would... don't
1: add. What am I here? What? No. <laughs> I was like, y'all messing with people. I'm not doing this.
2: <laughs> so, is there something about your approach to acting that spurred someone to think, "Hey, you're a comedian. You're you're more of a comedian than maybe a an actress or an actor at this point."
1: One had nothing to do with the other.
2: Oh, really? Disconnected.
1: No, a friend of mine worked at the Funny Farm, Hmm. uh, which is a comedy club in Atlanta, and I would go up there and hang out with her because she worked the door, so she let me in for free. And I would hang there all the time because I wasn't working on a show or doing anything else, and I met comics because I was there all the time. And through meeting comics and talking to them, you know, just talking to them and having conversations with them, they're like, oh, you're funny. And I was like, oh, thank you. And one of the comics was like, no, you should really be doing stand-up. So that's how they came about. They knew I wasn't actor, but I was up to just hanging out
2: huh. through hanging
1: out and just talking to them. That's when they told me I should be a comic. And,
2: and do you feel as a, in your comedy? I feel like I get a, a true sense of yourself. It, it seems to be a very personal expression. Do you feel like uh, you are expressing a like an honest version of yourself? I know you know it can be bigger than life. It could be performative, but this this seems like you. Is that fair to say?
1: Yeah. It's just, this is what happened. This is how I feel. This is how I think before it wasn't like that. And Big Kenny, who was the comic who put me in a stand up class and was mentoring me and taught me how to be a comic and write a joke and everything. Before my stand up, when I first started, it was very observational. And he said to me one day, When you start talking about yourself, then that's really going to change you and your stand up. And I didn't understand what he meant till I was like like a year and a half in. Mm. And then I was at a show and I had a set. I was like, screw it, these are the things that I think about. And that's when it was like a big, like something clicked. And I was like, oh, this is what he meant. So he was right. When I started talking about myself, it did feel different.
2: Is there anything easier about that realization in terms of your craft? Because you've gone from, you know, crafting jokes uh, that are observational, as you say, to basically just expressing your tr- true self. On some level, it's, a direct, uh, it's directly you. Was, is that easier in some way?
1: I was expressing my true self the whole time.
2: Right. Okay. Except
1: one was internal. What I was talking about, one was external things that everyone could observe. Right. And then the other way is these are things that are happening with me that I'm telling you about. Right. They're both an expression of self. They're both my interpretation of how I see the world.
2: Right. Yeah, that's fair to say. That's fair to say. Now, we we just, uh, as we're speaking, you mentioned Atlanta, and yesterday, as we're speaking yesterday, the Super Bowl was Atlanta. Did you follow this at all? No. Not interested in the in the sport uh, sport game?
1: Well, it was like, I just hope they don't tear the city up. That was it. Is that is that likely to happen in Atlanta? Uh is it likely when a million people come to your city that they're not gonna tear it up?
2: <laughs> I suppose it's kind of a dumb question. It is you were worried more for the safety of the city than anything else.
1: Yeah, because when people show up and especially like all the dumb stuff that happened when the Eagles won. I'm like, oh, goodness, this is not the place for this. Y'all got to sit down somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, so that's what I was like. I hope nobody gets hurt, you know.
2: Does- I hope they don't tear
1: up that new stupid stadium they did,
2: So, <laughs> Does the, the politics of football and, and, and the Super Bowl, does that impact you in, in any way? Do you have a perspective on what's going on in terms of the discussion around the Super Bowl? People were, you know, not willing to watch it. Uh, particularly because of Colin Kaepernick and, and the way the way the NFL has treated some of its players. Do you have a, 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 any thoughts on that?
1: Mm, not just white folks, white folk. And it's, you hope all of the players, you know, you can't put what you would want onto someone else. So people are like, oh, all the players should kneel, or all the players should do this. But, you know, not everybody participated in the civil rights movement. Not everybody, you know, marches today. So it's as much as you would hope that the players would be able to push back against the owners. It's also the average career of a football player is three years. Yeah. So if you're living in that mindset, it's like, okay, I only have this much time to take care of myself, take care of my family, save up this money and be able to live. So, I mean, I didn't care about the Super Bowl anyway, because it doesn't affect me. I'm not a huge sports fan. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everybody was supposed to Patriots to lose because, they're the Patriots, and they win all the time, and it's to the point where it's aggravating. It's like let someone else have the ball. But but, the,
2: but there's also – there, I feel like there's like a – because of the political stripes of Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, people really hate the Patriots now. I mean uh, certain people really hate the Patriots because of their the, the, those apparent politics within it.
1: I mean they might, but I can't speak for those people. I don't know them folks.
2: Yeah. Yeah, so that's your that's your take on that. Okay, I was just curious because that, that was I was sort of following Twitter, and that seemed to be a lot. Of, people were just like, "I'm not watching this crap. This the game is dangerous. It's 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 uh, it treats people poorly." You know, I I just thought you might have uh, perspectives on that.
1: I mean, if not watching, it's Nielsen ratings aren't the same. It's not the same. Yeah, not everybody has a Nielsen box attached to their TV. So if you don't watch, that's fine. Yeah, if that's your protest and don't watch. But they don't know you didn't watch. Because they're like, oh, the ratings are down. The ratings have been going down for years. The ratings on everything have been going down yeah. for years. Yeah. So not watching in support of Kaepernick, that's great. But what else are you doing in support of Kaepernick? Okay, you didn't watch the Super Bowl. But are you going to a Black Lives Matter march? Yeah. yeah. Are you talking to your family that you won't go see at Thanksgiving about why kneeling during the, um, the national anthem has nothing to do with not being patriotic? hmm I don't care if you didn't watch the Super Bowl. That's one little, fine, great. But are you doing any work behind that? Go talk to your racist dad. Go talk to somebody. Go march. Go put up something. Not watching a TV show? Great, thank you.
2: Yeah, yeah. What else did you do? Yeah. You made a point of saying, you know, white people are are white people. Yeah. And you're very outspoken about these kinds of issues in terms of the way white people behave, how they have, uh, you know, behaved towards uh, people in your community, black people in particular, does that give you any anxiety or trepidation in expressing yourself about these things during these very heated political times? Because it's just very volatile. I feel like people are very, particularly online, like it's just a very ugly kind of discourse. And i gonna talk
1: about white folks the way I've always talked about white folks, the way they're going to treat us the way they've always treated us. And if you've got anything to say to me online, I can delete the comment. Right. I don't understand why people go back and forth with folks. I've had people say very ugly, very mean things to me on my fan page, on Twitter, and all these other places. And I just delete the comment. (laughs) That's Why am I sitting there entertaining the shit? No, I'm going to delete the comment. Somebody said to me, some guy sat up and messaged me and put stuff on my page going, oh, I can tell by your name you didn't grow up with a father and all this other ugly shit. So what I did was I screenshotted it, posted it to my Facebook page, and then all of my friends went over to his page and started fucking with him. Right. And then he said that he was a weight trainer for the New York Giants. So then one of my friends found an email address to the New York Giants and told them what their their employees was doing to me. Then, since I posted it on Twitter, somebody who works for ESPN tweeted at the New York Giants. And said, Is, Are these the type of people that you employ? So within an hour, he made everything private.
2: Ah, I see.
1: No, it's this the kind of mess that I deal with. So I always go through and check stuff and I delete stuff. Right. I'm not going to go back and forth with people. There's like plenty of people like this guy was like, Oh, you're ugly and you're fat. And I was like, Is this what you did today? And he was like, I don't. And it was, it was in reference to me talking about the pay gap between, it was from the piece I did about Black Women's Equal Pay Day. And he responded back, I don't have time to talk to you about how you're wrong about the pay gap. And I was like, your issue was with the pay gap, but you called me fat. What are you talking about? Right. And he didn't respond. Because people say ugly stuff and they don't expect you to say anything back. Hmm. And when you say something back, like one woman said something ugly to me and I said something back to her because she misspelled your, of course, because she's an idiot. And she's like, oh, spell check's not always right. And I was like, you just called me a racist cow and now you're joking with me about spell check. What's happening? Yeah. So, no, I'm not afraid of what somebody says to me on the internet because I can delete it. I don't understand why people go back and forth with for people all the time.
2: Yeah, I, I interviewed Um, – you're you're familiar with Sashir Zameda, the comedian? Yeah, I'm friends with her. Yeah, so I interviewed Sashir a little while ago, and she said something very that stuck with me about what's going on in sort of socioculturally these days in terms of the way we're interacting, particularly since – Uh, Trump was elected and that all of these kinds of feelings uh, are really uh, in terms of racism in particular and difference are really at the surface now. And she was arguing that she thinks that's actually good um, because the Band-Aid is off like for forever. uh, Racism has been covered with this Band-Aid and it's time it came off and people actually dealt with what was going on underneath the Band-Aid. How do you feel about that? Like this notion that because it feels ugly, right? Like all of this stuff feels ugly to me. But Sashir was sort of arguing that she thinks it's ultimately going to be healthy. It's just hard to endure right now. Do you have any thoughts on that?
1: This is the racist. No, all this is, is that white people get to see the racism that people of color, but i telling them existed the whole time. Hmm. All the times that white people have said, maybe you're overreacting. Oh, no, that's not what actually happened. Or that person didn't do that or say that to you. Or all the times we've been saying that the cops have been shooting us when we've been unarmed, that we've been harassed in stores, harassed wherever we go, and and mistreatment of black black and brown people have been swept under the rug. And white people have been telling us what we said was racist wasn't racist. This is scary to white folks. Hmm. The only good thing about this is now white people have to acknowledge what has been happening to us. Because they get to see it now. You get to see the ugly stuff that people say to people. Yeah. You get to see video footage because there's still people that'll watch video footage of somebody getting shot unarmed and go, what did they do? Because it's a double standard. Because you have inherent racism. You assume that black people are guilty until proven innocent. So when you see us interact with the police, it's well, you should calm down, which well, you should do this. Why should I do anything more than somebody who's fucking trained to do this? Yeah. Yeah. How is he so much more afraid than me? I don't have a gun. I don't have the law behind me. He does. Yeah. So how is me being a five four black woman more threatening than you being a six foot cop with a bulletproof vest and a gun and a stun gun and a baton around your waist?
2: So do you? So in white people finally seeing what's what people of color have been saying for centuries, decades? I mean, do you sense that something positive can come? Like do you share? Do you share such sheer sentiment that? Perhaps at the end of this, something positive will come of it.
1: So, I mean, it it has to because it's you can't have your blinders on anymore. Right. You can't go. Oh, they've been. Oh, wait a minute. They didn't. They weren't making this up. People literally thought we were making this up. People thought the racism was over when Obama got elected. Yeah. Which was wild to me. They're like, oh, we got a black president, racism's over. What?
2: It seemed to heighten when he got elected, I thought.
1: that it, That's what happened. Yeah. That's what actually happened. There are people that were so mad that there was the president was black. You see what I'm saying? Absolutely. That a lot of this heightened. A lot of it heightened. To me, it seemed to heighten. A lot of white people saying slick stuff. Yeah. After Obama got elected and Trump was a retaliation for Obama. That's what that is.
2: Yeah. I agree. Trump
1: was retaliation for Obama. Y'all thought we were stupid. And so whenever Trump's running around doing the dumb stuff that he does, this is not a surprise to me. It's <laughs> not a surprise to me. Yeah. This is not a surprise to most black people. Yeah. If you notice, we're not the ones going, ah, we're not doing that. Because this is the evil white man they've been telling us about since we were kids.
2: Absolutely. I agree.
1: Since I was a child, they've been telling me there was going to be an evil white man coming. And he's not even going to care about white folks. And he's going to destroy them. They've been telling me about this since I was a little kid. They have been telling us about this man. Hmm. And now that he's here, it's like, oh, this was the boogeyman in the closet that they've been telling us about for decades. What's up? <laughs> you this s- is not, he's, he's not scary to me. because This is why Trump's not scary to me. Because I will see a cop before I see Trump. Oh, interesting. Trump won't kill me. The police will. I can only deal with the most immediate danger. Plus, you've got a president saying, you know, mistreat people when you arrest them. Knock their head up against the car when you're putting them in the car.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's what he says.
1: He is not going to arrest me. I'm not going to interact with him. My brother's not going to interact with him. My friend's not going to interact with Trump. But the police are everywhere. Yeah. I can only deal with my most immediate danger. I can't think about a zombie apocalypse or an atomic fallout or all of this. I can't think about that. I can only deal with my most immediate danger, which might seem short-sighted, but ain't nobody talking about no atomic war coming. I have immediate danger on a daily basis. I'm a woman who, just being a woman walking down the street, yeah, daytime, nighttime, whatever, I can only deal with my most immediate danger. It's getting robbed or getting hurt, and that's it. Yeah. So when her talking about this, us finally, yeah, we're seeing stuff and it's ugly. But it's at the same time, it's like, okay, y'all felt like this the entire time. Y'all just had the decency before to hide this. Or yeah. y'all had the shame before to hide it. You were required to hide it because there was a sense of shame.
2: Well, there was also decorum and civility.
1: Yeah, there was decorum. You're awful. You're still awful. Yeah. But the clan covered their head, yeah, but that also was to invoke fear because we're- we're faceless, we're everywhere, you don't know who we are hmm. now it's no, I'm bold, I'm out with it you don't have to I don't have to hide because we've gotten so p c that now it's well, we have to expect respect everyone's opinion. Nazis came back, what
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: People's grandparents—that my grandfather fought them. What are they back? What is happening?
2: Yeah, I I'm with you. I don't know, and I, I don't. I, I mean,
1: mind you, I don't think Nazis ever left. If you really, if you really ask me, yeah. I don't think they ever went anywhere. Yeah, because I, I remember the '90s talking about neo-Nazis. I remember them.
2: Oh yeah, I mean, God, David Duke and all those guys and yeah. skinheads
1: never went anywhere. We we were all gonna agree the skinheads never went anywhere. Yeah, but I can't tell you about the number of dudes who hit on me that was skinheads. So that's a whole different thing. Really, but. Huh. Oh yeah. I mean a lot of like I, the ones that I knew that hit on me were dudes that just went to jail and just needed to survive. Hmm. Um or people be having fetishes and stuff. People are gross. Listen. <laughs> all I'm saying <laughs> it's yeah, it's good, but it's like you don't wanna yes, it's good that it's out in the open, but that's where just where we are right now. Yeah. It's but it's only at that it's the band aid's off and we're seeing stuff. Yeah. But we put a band aid on a gunshot wound. Yeah. So now that it's bleeding and the bullet's still in there, now we have to fix the wound. But how do you fix a wound that's opened repeatedly? Because it's never been stitched up, it's only gotten wider. We've only put more bullets in the body of the country. Yeah. So if it keeps bleeding, it keeps getting shot, and you patch it up with band aids when you know, oh, we should all come together as a nation. Okay, we did. Something else happens and then all the band-aids get pulled off and then we're still bleeding. There's no doctor.
2: I appreciate your perspectives on this. I'm I have two small kids. I'm lucky they're small right now, in a way. They don't know exactly what's going on, but I I'm confused about how to Process some of this information that's uh, out there in the world, you know, and how to convey it to them. If they have question, or if they have questions, sometimes my eldest boy will ask a couple. He's seven, so he'll ask mm-hmm. some questions. But it's hard; it's very hard to articulate this. And I, all I wanted to say is thank you for trying to articulate. Uh, you
1: welcome. But you also don't live here,
2: so. Well, <laughs> but it's, yeah, we're close. I'm up here. It's it's pretty close. It feels close. And there's stuff going on. Obviously, not to the scale of what's happening in your country, but there is this. As you say, like, the, the masks have come off, and that's happening here, too. Um,
1: Good. So people can stop telling me the lie that Canada's not racist?
2: Oh, my God. Canada is very racist. I don't know. Thank
1: you so much. I've had so many white Canadians tell me, well, you know, Canada's not racist. And I was like, are there multiple races of different people living somewhere that used to be a colony? He was like, yes. I was like, then it's racist. What yeah, are you about?
2: it's unceded territory where it's completely racist. Uh, and it's a, that's a hard thing for anyone to accept. And well,
1: we're not America. I'm like, cool, but you still got people of different colors. So (laughs) yeah, y'all have a very large Indian population, very large Middle Eastern population, very large. Oh, you think your country's not cute, 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 cute. (laughs) used to be owned by the British and the French and y'all destroyed your Native Americans just like we did. Cool, 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 (laughs) cool, cool, cool. Your country's not racist. Cool, cool, cool.
2: I know you spent some time in Australia. Uh, Was it last
1: year, I think? yeah march
2: of 2018 yeah and 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 had you been there before no and, and what was did you have a i know you were there a short time did you get a sense of the country that's i i'm asking this in in relation to canada because i wonder if you've been to canada and have thoughts on it beyond what you just uh expressed but i, I I've, I've never been to australia i've been hearing particularly with hannah gadsby's uh, special that just came out we're I think that shone a light on some of the intolerant aspects of it. I spoke to another comedian who just played there and talked about the homophobia they felt just walking around the street and uh I just wonder, did you have any thoughts on Australia after you came back or while you were there when you came back?
1: I didn't have any interactions because mostly my days were all press and then two shows at night and then at a bar. so I really didn't actually interact too much hmm. with the people of Australia. Okay. Like they would come to shows, people were nice, no one said anything rude or I didn't feel... I didn't have enough interactions with people to make a summation of how exactly they would act, but I did have friends who came and they are uh, American expats who are African American who live in Australia. And I asked them, I was like, yo man, I'm not seeing... Because the thing is, like, when being in like Australia and being in Scotland, I was with one of my friends. uh, Like, I was in Scotland with my friend Ramon, and we said it was interesting because in America, whenever a white person sees you, they always look at you to try to assess you as a threat. Right. Uh, In Scotland and Australia, they didn't do that. So I actually figured out a white girl was American in Scotland without her speaking because I saw her assess me as a threat.
2: That's and that's just, that's via like a look, uh, a stance? Yeah, it's
1: very much, it's a look. It's a, okay, let me see if this is a thing. Like, you know, the first time you interact with a big dog, you're trying to figure out like, oh, will this thing bite me or is it fine? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Same look. Hmm. It's the same thing. You're trying to assess a threat. So I didn't get that in Australia or Scott. I, I didn't see anybody assessing me like that. Okay. I didn't see anyone making a point to not interact with me and that didn't happen in, in Canada. It depends. When I was in Montreal, it would happen sometimes. When I was in Winnipeg, no. And when I was in Toronto, no. Oh, But in Montreal, it was, it was like that. But in Montreal, it, just, it wasn't just white people who were doing that. It was also people of color who were doing that in, in Montreal. Well,
2: Montreal has a slightly, uh, it has its own feeling. It has its own vibe in terms of Canadian cities, I would say.
1: Yeah, I hear they're on some real foolishness. on. Somebody's on some foolishness somewhere in Canada acting a fool. Right,
2: right.
1: <laughs> uh, I, can't, I think it was over by Montreal. I, heard, I think I heard some people yelling at French, talking to Trudeau being mad. Um, but I didn't have that issue in Winnipeg, and I didn't have that issue in Toronto. But also, I actually saw two fights in the street in Toronto. So I was like, okay, maybe Drake was not joke and it goes down <laughs> out here um literally two fights in the street on a saturday night and i was like whoa toronto is wild
2: it can, um it can be it's true yeah
1: <laughs> i was like yo drake was really out here telling the truth
2: <laughs> it's true as a uh, americans you you seem to drake is giving you is, is kind of like this avatar for canada isn't he these days
1: i mean listen you, you first of all it's like all right i get it you're a rapper you're we forget he's canadian all the time i'm like all right he's like Toronto, this Toronto that we're like, all right, Canada's cute. And then out there, to see like people fighting in the streets. Some dude running down the street with a stick, chasing two other dudes. I was like, okay, uh, this is what? All right, Drake, I'm gonna give you this one. <laughs> I'm gonna give you this, Aubrey. You wasn't playing. All right, we're gonna let you try know this one. Toronto goes down. Two fights within of Uber ride. Come on, dude. Yeah,
2: that's 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 a lot. Yeah, t- Toronto is heating up. I mean, the gun violence there has ramped up as well this year. Uh, it's already, uh, you know, past the pace, if you will. Um, so there's just a lot of volatility in the world, uh, I think, and uh, particularly in North America.
1: I'm not trying to say it's like it's, yeah, Australia was cool. Um, I didn't enter, but it's also it's different places of different kind of racism. Yeah. So
2: yeah.
1: it's I didn't get the American.
0: that's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN.
1: And vibe of racism. But if I went into a restaurant, people served us. If we went into a store, people asked us if we needed anything. Yeah. Where I've been to restaurants in L.A. L.A. is very racist, and people don't know that. Hmm. I've been to restaurants in L.A., I walked into a restaurant one time and a black dude said to me, oh, we're not taking applications until 2. I said, Negro, I'm here to get lunch. But you know what? Thank you. Because I don't need to eat in here. Right. So I've been to places, especially in L.A., you walk in, people act like you didn't walk in the store. Or I got to ask you, hey, where's the whole, all of that. Yeah. All of that. Same thing has happened up north. It rarely happens when I'm back home. I've had way more racist stuff happen to me outside of the South.
2: Right. Really? Yeah, that's interesting. That's not the. That's not a wide, uh, wide-held no, perception. No, it's not the perception. But the, yeah.
1: the South is the only place in the United States that's had to even talk about issues of race. Right. Or talk about how it deals with race or how it interacts with people. But you also have to think about 60% of the black people in America also live in former slave states. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So most of the black population in America is a former slave states. So when you're dealing with pop, that's why you can have a state. That's why the mayor of Atlanta has been black my entire life. Yeah. So you can have places like where it's like where where Stacey Abrams can run to be governor of Georgia and they have the race be that close. Yeah. So when you say, you know, these things happen, it's. It's damn near impossible if you're a white person in the South to not interact with a black person. It's very difficult. Right. If you're a white person who lives in any other part of America, it can be easy to not interact with black folks.
2: It's a very astute point. And, uh, you know, I I, I do want to ask you about your own arc here. We've established you've been doing comedy about 10 years. Uh, You're working at The Daily Show now, and I... What's that experience like for you? Is, are you able to get these kinds of ideas, these thoughts out uh, as a writer and a performer on that show?
1: I'm not a writer on that show.
2: Oh, you don't write on the show at all? I thought you did. I apologize. You you are no.
1: Everyone thinks all the correspondents are writers. No, we have writers on the show.
2: Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, so you're you're yeah. I'm not
1: in anybody's guild. Nah, dog.
2: Okay, <laughs> so you're a correspondent on the show uh, solely. I assume that as a correspondent, you would write your uh, desk pieces, but that's not necessarily the case.
1: We work with the writers in writing them.
2: Okay. Okay.
1: So it's a collaboration because we work with the writers in writing them to make sure that they are in our voice and of our perspective and of our and expressing how we feel about whatever subject we're talking about and our interpretation of whatever subject we're talking about. So when there's because we can pitch our own desk pieces, we can pitch our own field pieces, and we also do desk pieces that are given to us. We do field pieces that are. uh Someone pitches for us. So in that, if any week time we get anything, it's, all right, we sit down with the writers and then we write out together what it is.
2: I see. I appreciate but that the distinction. Writers, yeah,
1: huh. yeah, because the writers write the show every day. I don't write the show every day.
2: Is it a place, or do you go to work every day at the Daily Show? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're you're involved every day. You just may not have a uh, a piece to work on every day.
1: Yeah, we don't have desk pieces every day.
2: Right, of course not. Right, okay. But overall, the experience is is a good one, I assume.
1: Yeah, because it's made me think about, not think about politics different, it's made me take in politics different because I have to pay more, a lot more attention to stuff than I used to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, I have to know all these people. Like, oh, this is what Mueller did, this is what this guy did, and I'm just like, <laughs> all right, so that's okay. Um so it just made me pay more attention to politics but it's also been interesting to see people's reactions and stuff and people just being so to see people so afraid that didn't used to be afraid of of America and the government
2: well this is, is this is why I asked you earlier and I know you kind of bristled like this is why I asked you about any trepidation you might have as a, a, a comedian, as a person with, uh, you know, as a cultural, a person who expresses yourself in a cultural realm, if you had any fear, because we've seen,
1: I've seen... Right, and again, I bristled because that question has nothing to do with what I'm talking about right now.
2: I see, okay.
1: As in, I'm saying it's interesting to see people who, when they woke up every day, America's great, and it's the American dream, and, you know, bop, 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 I can do whatever I want. Oh, I on see. my bootstraps. Right, okay. And then there's the rest of the population... Where it's like, okay, hope I make it home alive today. Hope I don't get in trouble for something that I didn't do. I hope I don't run into something. I hope I don't get, you know, I hope I don't have any issues that I have because I'm a person of color in America.
2: Right. Okay.
1: So for, you know, white people to wake up and be f- afraid of America and afraid of the president is a very interesting thing to see as a person of color.
2: I see. Hmm.
1: Because hmm. before he got elected, that's not how it was it, it was. So to speak, people so afraid. And you know, the people talk about, you know, being on the shake, you know, when I talk to people who watch the show and they're like, I'm just so afraid and It's a fear I don't understand because I don't understand what they what it's where where it's coming from. Because I understand the President is a jackass, and I understand he could do things that could kill us all, but George W. Bush was a jackass, and y'all weren't afraid of him, right? Is it because Dick Cheney ran the country? Is that why? Is it because that George Bush could be checked? because George W. Bush for as much as he was an idiot, he could be checked
2: right, but it does feel like don't you feel like Trump and his ilk have emboldened like this weird you know army of outspoken? assholes like i think that's what it is like we we discussed earlier everything's more in our face now whether it's online or real life like we're seeing these people which we didn't see as much i think under someone like uh, george w bush like this guy goes out trump he goes out and he says stuff and his followers sort of mobilize and that's different i think that's the that might be where the fear is coming from
1: so the fear is from the people around them, not from who's in the White House.
2: That I think, so, or and what the guy in the White House is actually, you know, emboldening them to do and see, say and feel. I, I mean, I've we in Canada after the election, I saw a kid. I'm from. I'm calling you from Guelph, Ontario. Where I'm an hour. Uh, West of Toronto. There was a kid in the university campus wearing a Make America Great Again hat. And I was like, that's a hate crime. Like right away, I just, holy Lord, like that just offended me so much as a hat, Uh, you know. And uh. so I think this sort of symbolism is just so out there. We just, you know, it's only been a couple of weeks since this kid was sneering at this indigenous elder. And and so mm-hmm. we're, we're, this kind of stuff, I think, is maybe where, when you, you say, I don't know where their fear is coming from, this is a new fear for white people, but I think that's what it is. I think they're just, there are white people who are now afraid of other white people. It's an interesting phenomenon on some level. It's cute. Um, <laughs> it's
1: real cute. It's For me, it's interesting, because it's like, oh, I've known, these people aren't a surprise to me. Exactly, yeah. These people aren't the surprise to me. It's, yeah. Oh, now they just have Twitter. You get to be loud and ignorant and banshee on the internet. You get to be racist from the comfort of your own home. Great. Congratulations. Yeah. You can just say wild stuff to people. You get to act how you've always acted. And yes, this man has emboldened these people. But we y'all have also allowed this man to embolden these people.
2: Right, exactly. Yeah.
1: yeah. Y'all have allowed this man to act like this. you re- tell me there's no one. Y'all can't edit this. <laughs> y'all can't stop film, y'all can't y'all, there's nobody there's absolutely no one nobody in this administration who can look at this man and go hey dog you need to chill out yeah. you're causing problems in this country Yeah. so for me there's a reason they're letting him act like this because what is the point what is the reason for his behavior what is the reason to embolden these people? What is the reason to be running around treating immigrants the way that you're doing? You know, you have, you allow them kids to be put in them cages. It's not like anybody, the first child that got put in the cage, somebody should have said something.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So y'all allowed this to happen. Mm-hmm. Y'all let this happen. And then when the news broke, you were like, what? No, you knew this was going down. Yeah. He might not have known. They briefed the president. He don't know what's all these, what's going on all the time. Yeah. No president knows what's going on all the time. Right. But the fact that you have one that's so combative and so ridiculous and is emboldening people, what's he doing it for? Because we've all seen the tape from Trump in the 90s being on Oprah going, if I ran for president I run the Republican Party because they're sheep. Yes. So what is, what is this for? If Trump's the retaliation for Obama, why y'all going so far? Hmm. Because all it has to do is to say, okay, y'all thought y'all was cool when you had a back president. No, 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 no. Because if you look at the history of colonizers, if you look at the history of white people in this country, in America, I'm not saying in general, I'm talking about the ones that have ran it. Fear is how you keep people down. You don't let these people vote. You don't let these people read. You don't do this. You don't do that. You keep fear. Yeah. So how does a population that feels like they have lost power remind the rest of the population that they still run shit fear yeah that's his only job his only job is to incite you to be afraid of your neighbor yeah so if you're afraid of your neighbor you can't pay attention to the stupid thing that he's doing over
2: here that's right inducing anxiety uh, that's it's a distraction i agree
1: right but you have to understand me i've been raised and maintained at a level of fear my entire life right so your tricks don't work i see what you're doing you can incite these fools and act and all it's all you're doing is just going, yeah, we know about this. I know what this is. Hmm. You're sneering at, you're acting a fool. You're wearing your little silly ass hat. Your hat don't mean nothing to me. Bring it in the yard. What are we doing? You want to say something to me on the internet? Cute. Cute.
2: <laughs> I appreciate I appreciate you calling all of this cute. I, I understand what you're saying. That's uh it's,
1: it's It's nothing else but cute because it's all keyboard curves, it's Are you acting the fools? Are you being hateful and insightful? If we turn the internet off for two days, what would happen? Right. Turn it off. Get off Twitter for three days. I don't even understand Twitter to start with. Turn the shit off. That's why most people aren't on Facebook and uh Twitter. Mo- that's why Instagram's so big right now. Yeah. I still want to know what my I still want to know what my friend ate today. I still want to know that. What did you do yesterday? Yeah. I don't want to sit up on Facebook and argue with people aunties. I don't want to sit up on Twitter and see people go back and forth. People don't even know. No, y'all ain't fixing nothing. Right. You think arguing on Twitter is going to do something or some company give us a weak ass apology for something racist that they did? Who cares? Y'all ain't doing nothing on the ground. You're not talking to anybody. Fix it you're so worried about the president on the dumb stuff he's doing, Twitter's not going to shut this stuff down. Facebook is so fucking problematic right now. Yeah, yeah. So many people's pages getting shut down because they're expressing themselves, and it's like, but you're not shutting these men's pages down for being harassing to women. But if a woman... One of my friend's pages got shut down for 30 days because she said men are trash. Another girl's page like, I hate men. Shut down. Hmm. It's ridiculous.
2: Yeah.
1: But yeah, it's cute. You want to sit up and say something racist to me on the internet? You know I can delete this. (laughs) Doesn't everybody forget that there's a delete button on the internet?
2: It seems that way. It does seem that way. You're right. I
1: can't believe somebody said this to me. Delete it. How about that? (laughs) I don't believe it either. But guess what? Delete the shit and it won't be there no more. It's your page. (laughs) This is your shit. Delete it
2: say I appreciate your point of view on all sorts of things, and I, I appreciate this time. Uh, you are heading to Vancouver. Uh, have you been to Vancouver before?
1: No, apparently I'm about to go to all of Canada. Uh, yeah, I think this is the last stop because I've been to Montreal a bunch of times. I've been to Toronto, I've been to Winnipeg. So I think Vancouver is the last place other than Nova Scotia, <laughs>
2: <laughs> Halifax, yeah, Halifax is a good place to go. I like it.
1: Or with a little, uh, what's her name? Anna Green Gables girl. Where's she from? Prince Edward Island or Prince something? Prince Edward
2: like. Island, that's correct. Very good. Yeah.
1: I watched PBS growing
2: up. <laughs> do you have some desire to visit uh, PEI?
1: Nah, that little girl was annoying. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, do you know much of. What's your perception of Vancouver? I just am it's curious. It's in Canada. That's all you know, really.
1: Who's talking about. I know they film They filmed the X Files there.
2: I know that. Seth Rogen is from Vancouver. Is he? Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, what's his name? Uh I think that Ryan Reynolds guy. I think he's also from there.
1: Listen, I don't have any information on Vancouver. Oh, okay. Y'all don't have a Drake.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's true. We did that. Vancouver does not have a Drake. That's true. Listen,
1: I've been to Winnipeg and I can honestly tell you, Winnipeg uh is the Midwest. It was the thing about Winnipeg is like when I got there I felt like I wasn't in another country and that was really annoying. As much as they hassle me at the airport to get in and to get out of Winnipeg. Also, Winnipeg's airport is five by five trash. <laughs> um, five by five trash. Those people are awful, and terrible, <laughs> and they have nothing better to do with their lives, but they flex on people of color. I hate that place. I'll oh, never go back. Oh, my God. Um, wow. Oh, they're rude as fuck. I hate that place. Um, some woman was messing with me, and she was just like, well, she was saying, like, the lady who worked at the, like, the, T- the TSA was ever was saying dumb stuff to me. And I was telling her, I was like, I took all this stuff into Montreal last month. I don't know what you're talking about. And she was fucking with me as I was leaving your country. And I was like, leave me alone. I'm leaving. What do you want? <laughs> I can't take these seven bottles of hair stuff. I came into this country. What are you talking about? <laughs> and she's like, you can't fly with this. I'm like, I came in and left a month ago with this. Yeah. And she was like, well, can you tell me what flight you were on and what time you went to the Montreal airport? I said, do I look like a snitch? No, I'm not doing that. <laughs> Who? knows? No. Well, do you know who was on? Who, well, who was? Are you asking me who was working at a TSA a month ago? I don't know who was working at TSA when I got here two days. No, so she's going back and forth with me, and I was like, "If y'all as a country are supposed to have the same rules about what you can leave and come in here with, how are you keeping anybody safe?"
2: Right.
1: And then she said nothing, and I still had to check my bag. But I'm just like, "Quit! Fuck! You sound stupid." <laughs> who was on? St- who the fuck no? what i just came home yesterday <laughs> from the airport i can tell you who the hell i talked to hate that airport the city is trash i thought it was like being in like it was literally like being in, like a midwest city yeah it was being like being in a midwest city The place is i mean i'm sure the people were very nice and i saw uh gambling machines at a chinese restaurant which i was like you know what they got some Canada's interesting. Um, but other than that, <laughs> yeah, Winnipeg, I'm never going to fuck back. Uh, unless I get a job. But the airport, I will crawl through Canada.
2: <laughs> On behalf of the country, I apologize for your experience in Winnipeg. No, but... no,
1: no, 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 no. It's them assholes who was over at the Winnipeg airport. Airport, right, the airport. You didn't do anything.
2: Okay, all right.
1: You yes. want to flex? They want to flex. That's all it is. I hate people trying to flex. I will... Ride a scooter into Canada <laughs> before I fly into Winnipeg's airport again.
2: Okay, all right. I will
1: walk through glass and broken drinks.
2: This is uh, not where I thought the questions about Vancouver would go, but I appreciate that you. I'm had sure a- it's
1: a very nice place. It's on the water. Is it going to be warm? I don't know.
2: Should be warm. It's often a bit rainy, but it should be warm. Yeah, you should be fine. It's going to. Be- well, Your Vancouver in February will be relatively pleasant. I would. Have you been to like Seattle? Uh, no, but I'm into Portland. Yeah, it'll be kind of like that, I would I would think. Well, uh, I, I, I know everyone there is excited to have you. Uh, if people want to learn more about you, they'll say, where would you like to send them? You don't like Twitter. Uh, where can people learn more about you?
1: Instagram.
2: Instagram is, is your jam. That's you want people Instagram
1: to... Instagram okay. is my jam. I like <laughs> the stories. I like the pictures. I'm also a very visual person. Okay. So you get these stories. You get these pictures. Then... You can make yourself into a kitty cat.
2: <laughs> That's true. You can. That's a thing they've added. That's a nice feature. Yeah.
1: Why am I going to argue with somebody's auntie on Facebook when I can turn myself into a cat? That <laughs> sounds stupid.
2: And are you, are you? is it Dulce Sloan
1: on Instagram? Yes, yeah, Dulce Sloan. Everything's at Dulce Sloan. Okay. Um, I have been on Twitter since 2012. I think I finally figured it out. Okay. Um I I think I know where Black Twitter is. Honestly, it should just be another website. Um <laughs> It'll make my life it's just another website, it'll make my life so much easier. Black but, Twitter uh,
2: blacktwitter.com. That's a good idea, I think.
1: Yeah, let's just do that. Why are we still not playing with people's emotions like this, acting like this is something we want to do?
2: I'm an ideas. Um, I'm an ideas person. I come up with stuff. BlackTwitter.com seems to make sense.
1: Yeah, make it a new app. Yeah. But yeah, on that and then my website has dates up. Oh I am going to be in Vancouver for a uh, JFL. Uh, yeah. Vancouver. Yeah. JFL,
2: JFL Northwest. It's called. That's right. Yeah.
1: Yes. JFL Northwest. Cause I'm great at promoting things. Um, <laughs> but my favorite thing is I'm going to be doing a live taping with Nicole buyer for her. Why won't you date me podcast? Oh, nice. So I don't know if you know, Nicole buyer, she is on nailed it on Netflix and she is, Hilarious, She's yeah, one of my friends.
2: She just has a, a half hour on the Comedians of the World uh, series that they just put out Netflix. Yeah.
1: Yes, she is a fool, and I'm currently wearing a pair of pants that she gave me. Oh, so that's nice. Hey, man, you gotta be out here support- and the coat she gave me. Um, is is I was-
2: am I actually talking to Nicole Byer? This seems a bit suspicious at this point. No. <laughs> um... <laughs> wearing all of her clothes, I don't know.
1: She gave them to me because she had too many. Um, she's like I'm moving. Come come take these clothes. So I left with a giant bag of nice. uh, clothes from Nicole Buyer. Uh which honestly I thank her for cuz ooh I was not ready for this New York weather. This coat she gave me really saved my life. So
2: Well, you're very uh if if you don't mind me saying, I think you're a very funny and talented person. I appreciate this time and uh I want to go out on something by you. And I know we were talking about your time in Australia, and I have watched this uh, clip of you doing stand-up in Australia. Well, it was a festival there, I assume? Is that what it was?
1: Yeah, it was the Melbourne Comedy Festival.
2: And this, uh, this uh, it's a YouTube video of you doing stand-up, it's very funny. Is it okay if we go out on that? Sure. Okay. Is there anything you want to say about it, per se?
1: Uh, well, there's two videos. Actually, if you watch one, there's one of me doing stand-up at that late-night show. Yeah. Um, and then there's another clip of me. It's a debate? Um, It's a
2: debate or something, right?
1: Yeah, it's called The Great Debate, and it was uh, for or against living on Mars. Mm -hmm. And I'm definitely against it. (laughs) Okay, okay. uh... So if you want to see something truly ridiculous, um, watch that. Because, yeah, I, I think I made a strong argument as to why we shouldn't. I made a strong argument why we, I think why we shouldn't go to Mars, why I'm definitely not going. Uh, just because, you know, I like to breathe.
2: Well, yeah, you mentioned Total Recall repeatedly during that uh, segment. And I do think people should uh, check it out. It's uh, You make a lot of salient points, if I might say. But are you okay if we go to the uh, stand-up uh, uh, clip?
1: Yeah, that's fine. I was just saying if you wanted uh, something else to show people online yeah. other than that one clip but yeah we can go out on that
2: they're both they're both very strong and very funny and and uh, I i think you're wonderful and i i do thank you for your thank time you. so let's let's go to that right now and uh do say I, I wish you the best of luck with everything and again thank you so much for your time today
1: oh thank you for having me how are you doing melbourne that's great listen Glad to see all these beautiful white men here. am I my leopard print. Just to let you know that I'm on the prowl. Thank you. Or I'm a creep, whichever comes first. I do love leopard print, I don't know why. It has caused some problems for me. Uh, I had a woman come up to me, go, oh my God, I love your shirt, like it's so cute. Like, oh, I just love your leopard print. I was like, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> of course, these titties, you're welcome. She's like, yeah, um, so do you wear leopard print to like remind you of where you come from? <laughs> Bitch, I'm from Georgia. <laughs> I'm from She's like, no, 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 no. Where well, your family's from Florida. My family's from Florida. She's like, no, well, your ancestors. Or from Africa. You think I wear leopard print to remind me of Africa? Mm-mm. That's why I fuck white dudes. Cause every white man's broken heart is my reparations. Hi boys. I do have a tendency to fuck a lot of white dudes cause you know, the cops keep killing black men. And why are you groaning? You've seen the news. Well, the hard part about trying to pull a white dude is that they're real jittery, like deer and rabbits and squirrels. You've met them, they're all shaking right now. So you no, know, I gotta come up on them real slow. Gotta be downwind, don't wanna spook them. Hey buddy. Hey champ. Hey bro. <laughs> you uh you wanna practice making an Obama? Hmm? <laughs> like I don't know what to do. I don't know if I need some type of like wily coyote white man trap. Like take a box in the skies of like a microbrewery. You know, drop in a couple bottles of IPA, hide behind a bush and hope for the best. I've had to stop fucking poor dudes because of success. But the problem is they always have the best dick. There's been some victims of poor dude in the room. I hear you. Because the thing is they have to fuck you to sleep. So they have a place to sleep. yeah they caught a couple of y'all you knew the jig should have been up when he walked in your house with two backpacks what person with a place to live has two backpacks and they never have a condom either cause you're successful they try to trap you with a baby and then you end up with two roommates you didn't want if you haven't noticed I'm a black lady you're welcome And I have dealt with so many issues with being a black lady, more issues than I've ever had with being a woman. And I have to explain this to my white women friends, because like, we're all women. I'm like, shut up. Because, like, listen, I'm a black woman. I'm black first. It's literally my description of a human. And there's just so much oppression to deal with in everyday life. So what I like to do is I like to break my oppression down. I'm black, Monday, Wednesday, Fridays. <laughs> I'm a woman, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. I'm fat on Sunday, even God rested. <laughs> I do like to be supportive of white women because they keep making me. And doing stand-up, is just so many white women talking to me about feminism. Like, it's say it's all hard, we're all women, we're all men. I'm like, listen. I understood the civil rights movement. I got it. We couldn't vote. We couldn't go to school. We couldn't pee. We couldn't sit on the front of a fucking bus. Like, there was too many things that we could not do, and we just wanted to pee and drink water. That's it. So I'm really trying to figure out. I'm like, okay, girl, what's the main issues with feminism? She's like, well, I'm like, I don't need a blog post. What is the real problem? And she's like, oh, my God. It's like uh, equal pay for equal work. Equal pay. For equal work, I'm like, cool, 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 cool. I don't want to work. I want to be a trophy wife. I want to kick people off my yacht because they brought me the wrong wine. I said, Riesling! Ocean! And then i got to hire somebody to fish them out the water. Now I'm creating jobs. All right, y'all. Bye. Give it up to Dulce Sloan.
2: Thank you once again to the amazing Dulce Sloan for being on this, the 460th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and available on all iOS and Android platforms and also on Spotify, YouTube, Audio Boom, and a whole bunch of other things as well. If you can't find an episode that you've heard about and are looking for on any of those platforms, or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my regularly scheduled newsletter, please visit my website, vishkana.com. You can like Creative Control on Facebook, while Facebook still exists. Uh, I don't know how much longer it will exist for some reason. I have a bad feeling about Facebook. But still, like Creative Control on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter, at vishcreative, or At You can also listen to a radio show version of Creative Control on Wednesdays at noon Eastern Standard Time, around the world at CFRU.ca, or on an actual radio at 93.3 FM if you're in or near Guelph. Also, please visit patreon.com slash Control to make a flexible monthly uh, donation to keep the podcast going. A couple more donations have been trickling in, and I appreciate that very much. Uh, It's a modest Patreon, but ideally it would get to a point where uh, it it earns uh, enough money that I don't have to do anything else in the whole wide world but make podcasts, because that is the way of the future. So anyway, please consider supporting the show by visiting patreon.com slash creativecontrol. I'd like to thank Pete Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton for their in-kind support for this show. Also, Jim Guthrie, he lets me use the instrumental version of his song, The Rest is Yet to Come, on this show each and every week, and you can learn more about him at jimguthrie.org. And finally, thank you for listening to this show and subscribing to the podcast and telling your friends uh, to uh, check it out. Maybe having, um, you know, like a book club. I wish, is there, does anyone have a creative control group talk? I don't think anything like that exists. I'd like a a creative control club where people just are like, let's talk about the latest episode uh, for half an hour while we eat chips or whatever. That would be great. Let me know if you're doing that. Anyway, thank you. Whatever it is you're doing to engage with the show, but mostly, hopefully, listening to it. Thank you. I will talk to you very soon. Goodbye for now.